Chapter Seven of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Seven, Furry Devil. An interesting operation was taking place on the still morning shoot lake. Oscar, the animal man, and Angelo Daly, the master of the monks, were seated in a drifting shoot boat and watching the small float that was anchored at the extreme end of the lake in the shadow of the electric bulb-studded tower of Kilgloom Park. On the float, chained to the side of a small doghouse, was a large grey ape. The animal was expressing his high disapproval of the departure of the two in the boat by jumping up and down and jerking his chain savagely. "'You can pull and pull, Jack Dempsey,' observed Angelo, "'but it won't do you a teeny bit of good.' There you stay still. Stop that, you big ape, shouted the boy, as Jack Dempsey got his paws around the chain and tugged violently to loosen the end. Stop it, I tell you, you fool. Don't worry, Angelo, observed Oscar. He'll soon tire, and then you'll see him curl up and get a healthy sleep. An outdoor life is what Jack needs. That cage by the jungle scene was too confining for him. He'd have had TB if we kept him there any longer. I told the captain we would lose another monk, and he said to park Jack out here, where the fresh air will strengthen his lungs. Of course, if it came on cold, I would remove him to the animal world cage at once. The animal man and the boy lay back on the hot seats of the chute boat, one smoking and the other chewing gum and loafed. It was a warm morning after the middle of July. The amusement park would not open for over an hour and about the most interesting occupation was to watch Jack Dempsey's vain attempts to tear loose his chain. Finally, Angelo got up and, stretching, invited, It's the seventh inning. Come on, Oscar. I want to get a swim in the pool before the park opens. Angelo saw several cherries lying on the bottom of the boat. He stooped over and, gathering them in his hand, called out, Oscar, scull the boat back to the monkey float. Here are a few cherries that Jack likes. He might as well have them. I don't want any more. The animal man obediently took up the long oar and propelled the boat the length of the lake. When they came within ten feet of the float, Angelo shouted, Hey, Jack, wake up! The big ape uncoiled himself from his position in the scorching sun and looked at the small boy expectantly. Neatly, Angelo threw the three cherries on the float. At once the ape caught them. I'll say cherries are his favorite outdoor sport. Yes, observed Oscar. That big one always likes cherries. Head for the nearest port, Oscar, my man, said Angelo with a grin, as he lay back luxuriously in his floating limousine and pretended to be smoking a Corona cigar. The animal man good-naturedly entered into the make-believe. He touched his forelock and said, Yes, Mr. Daly, sir. Then, resting his oar on the shallow lake bottom, he coughed apologetically and added, could you let me have twenty-five dollars advance on my week's wages, sir? The baby needs new shoes, sir, and... Well, you know how to get them back of the animal world, retorted Angelo in his natural voice. Hurry up, Oscar. I'm dying for a swim. If you won't, I'll scull ashore myself. This threat was effective, and the chute boat was hastily propelled to the landing stage. Angelo got his dip in the old swimming hole pole and plunged into his park duties. Jack Dempsey and his consumption cure was easily forgotten, till next morning when Cauliflower, the burly park ticket-taker at the main entrance, met Angelo. 
Your friend, Jack Dempsey. That bad ape is no friend of mine, denied the boy energetically. You should have seen what he tried unsuccessfully to do to my finger. Well, friend or assassin, he's left for parts unknown. No, exclaimed Angelo, and he deserted Cauliflower and ran to the edge of the chute lake. There was the float in the sunshine, and the open door of the doghouse showed the absence of the gray ape. Claude Hazard came running up, and Angelo excitedly shouted to his chum, Do you know what? That Jack Dempsey never got away from the float. I bet one of those Lee triplets had a hand in his getaway. He must have swam ashore, Claude suggested. I don't believe it. Angelo shook his dark curly hair emphatically. Apes like swimming like cats do, and you never saw ferocity during the crawl. Why, Buddy here objects to water. He wouldn't fall in accidentally. Once I held him like a kitten and dropped him into the lake, and you should have seen him flounder about till I fished him out. He almost bit me that time. Well, anyway, said Claude, that ape is A-W-O-L. I met Oscar a while ago, and he said the last he saw of Jack Dempsey was last night when he brought him fresh drinking water. When was that? It must have been about midnight, for Oscar mentioned the park was not closed yet. Another wild animal loose, and the public do. If the dear public only knew what an African jungle they pay good United States money to get into, they would, they would, well, anyway, I got to go to work. Whatever they would do was lost, and so was Jack Dempsey all that busy day. Next morning, the restaurant concessionaire reported to the executive offices that some boys had raided his pantry and stolen fresh fruit. As usual, the sideshow boxing triplets were high on the suspect list. Angela was listening in as the concessionaire complained to Captain Daly, and he broke into the conversation. Please, Mr. Evitable, were any cherries swiped? Yes, a lot. Then I'll bet a good quarter it was not those triplets, as you suspect. They have been real Sunday school kids since that, that public execution last week, when their dad spanked them good and proper. But I'll tell you what I do believe. Without waiting for an invitation, Angela went on. I believe your robber was Jack Dempsey. That's his favorite fruit, and you say mostly cherries were taken. Jack is loose somewhere near the restaurant. I'm going to give Oscar that clue, and it is a hot one. The smaller daily rushed off to find the animal man. Confirmation of the whereabouts of the missing park ape was given that afternoon, when a lady was removed from an old mill boat in a highly nervous condition. When a nurse from the baby incubators had quieted her somewhat, she insisted, while passing the inferno scene, one of the figures of devils, tending the glowing coals, had turned its head and stared directly at her, till the old millboat had glided beyond the set. Angelo, who as usual, had managed to have a front position, where he could hear first-hand facts, slipped out of the little crowd and headed for the loading platform of the old mill. Here he commandeered a boat to himself, and sat back as it started on its tortuous 1,500-foot journey around this amusement device. The inferno set was number six, and as Angelo approached it, he began to wish heartily that he had asked along Chubby or Claude. No, they're too scary. Wish or GT would have been a better companion. Anyway, there could be nothing wrong or alive in the set. That lady passenger was just seeing things in the dark. Angelo had never realized how dark it was in the long tunnel, just before the reddish light of the inferno set began to appear. He blessed himself and sat over near the far side of the boat. You never could tell what might happen. 
but he seemed to feel some of the disquietude that was flooding over his master's spirit, and the small monkey crept into Angelo's bosom. The old mill boat was now bumping into the last turn before the set opened on view to the right. The rocks glistened rudely in the dim light. Then the inferno set was abreast. Here the channel of the old mill made a long curve around the set. The scene was familiar enough to Angelo Daly, but if the truth must come out, he had never had the courage to investigate it. All the other sets he had gone over carefully, looking for little private dens. But something in the red-cloth figures of devils, with their horns and tails, had kept the boy off the sands of the set. So it was from the shelter of the old mill boat that he searched the scene, to see if any of the figures moved their heads, and looked at him, as the excited lady had claimed. There were the three heaps of coals made of reddish cellophane, which, with the aid of electric lights, gave the appearance of live coals. Devil attendants were keeping these fires burning. The suggestion was more than the vivid imagination of Angelo relished. Many a night he had seen this set in his dreams, and passing it always caused him to make a fervent act of contrition, as he used to mutter, That's one place I have no intention of going. This time he looked at devilish furnace men, over carefully, but to his eyes they were still papier-mâché figures. When his boat bumped into the turning at the end of the set, Angela heaved a sigh of relief. Thank goodness that lady was only imagining things. No devil there turns his head, but... An amusement idea had come. But do you know what? he exclaimed. That would be a good ballyhoo idea if Cap made some of those heads on the devils loose and had them turn slowly like an electric fan. I'll tell him for next season. Back to the security of the sunshine at the exit platform, Angela was full of his dandy show idea. He sought the manager of Kilgloom Park to explain it pronto, but Captain Daly was engaged with some gentleman, and Angela knew his father's invariable role, not to come near him when business was being transacted. Half an hour later, G.T. met his small brother down by the roller coaster. Come on, O oh Angel, I have a job that you will like. What is it? Angelo asked suspiciously. There's one way to find out, challenged G.T., walking away. Angelo's curiosity won the day. He ran after his older brother. Saying nothing, despite Angelo's repeated demands for information, G.T. led the way to Little Red Rankin's Hot Dog Emporium. Take two. You'll need them in your vigil. What's that? No answer. So Angelo, playing safe, helped himself to three fat sausages and trailed his brother. G.T. walked through the crowd toward the entrance to the old mill. He beckoned Angela to get into a boat, and then pushing it into the current, G.T. jumped in after. With maddening silence, G.T. waved down all his small brother's insistent questions. When the boat came sweeping around to the inferno set, G.T. suddenly caught the tense side of the scene. There was a rush of water as the boat stopped. Hop out and be quick. Angelo obeyed to the letter. G.T. tumbled on the sand after him. Say, G.T., do you know what? No, what? This is the first time I ever explored here, he confessed. I hadn't the nerve to do it alone. Crouch down here behind these fake rocks and keep still. A few minutes later, a boatload of passengers came bumping by. The boys watched them and listened to their wisecracks as they viewed the scene. More boats were heard and watched till they disappeared. It was gruesome to sit there on the sands and wait. Finally, Angela whispered, G.T., let's get out of here. I don't like the feel of this scene. 
neither do I, but I have a clue, and I'm going to stay here half an hour to try and run it down. Eat your dogs. Obediently, Angela began to eat his forgotten sausages. A clue. That sounded interesting, and Angela was reconciled to wait. By this time, his eyes had been accustomed to the ruddy light, and he was able to make out the figures in the nearby scene with clearness. They never moved while he watched. Suddenly, Angelo heard a familiar voice, then another. G.T. motioned him to crouch down lower. Into view slept an old millboat, and in it were Chubby Kramer and Claude Hazard. The watchers heard Claude say, Gee, Chubb, I never liked this scene. Do you? Before that fat boy could answer, G.T. moaned. What's that? This from the startled Claude. Angelo snickered and then immediately felt his brother's hand over his mouth. What was that? Again Claude caught out. I, I, I don't know, Chubby confessed, and he added with frightened frankness, I never liked this old scene either. A loud moan that was blood-curdling rolled over the scene. Claude threw his arms around Chubby Kramer and shrieked. Then the boat was carried by the current beyond sight. Those two will have a bedtime story to tell, Angelo. Come on and listen to it. No, not in a boat. Let us cut out under the wall and run around to our den. Then we can get through the trap door and we'll be at the exit platform when they come out. Quickly the boys took the cutoff. As they came out into the scene of Caesar landing in Britain, Angelo yelled excitedly, Hey, look, look! He pointed, and there not thirty feet away, sleeping above the tearing tiger's den, was the olive-drab figure of Jack Dempsey. The big ape awoke, dropped from the ledge, and slipped under a loose board by the side of the old mill structure. Now I know why that lady got hysterics at the inferno set. That's the figure she saw moving its head. We better tell Oscar and get Jack. The scary story of Chubby and Claude was forgotten. The two brothers cut back till they came to an emergency exit from the animal world. Entering here, they sought in vain for the animal man. Somebody has seen him going down toward the main entrance. Come on, O oh angel, he's the one to get. But as they were passing through the court of Kilgloom, screams from the old mill changed their course. Already a crowd of curious had gathered. Importantly, the two boys pushed their way through the public in the wake of Big Al Dundee, the chief of the park guards. A young woman was screaming and struggling in the old mill boat, while her escort tried vainly to pacify her. G.T. with his small inquisitive brother, a burr at his side, leaned over the exit platform as Big Al questioned the woman. "'What's the trouble here? What's the trouble?' he demanded. "'I wish I knew,' the perplexed escort began to explain. "'All I know is that we were sitting side by side in this boat, and when we came around to that infernal scene—' "'Don't swear,' Angela muttered under his breath. "'When we came there, my girlfriend began screaming and screaming. I tried to pacify her, but it was dark in this amusement device, and I had difficulty. She is claiming something—' Something devilish reached out and grabbed at her hat as the boat was passing that scene. What scene? Big Al wanted to know. The place where the devils are and the glowing coals are. That's the inferno set, madam, put in Angelo. Indeed it is, young man, affirmed the lady's escort. Big Al helped the screaming young woman out of the seat and, trying to calm her, led her across the court of Kilgloom to the lower executive offices. A glass of water was brought, and when she was able to talk, she began, I never was so frightened in all my life. What happened, madam? Big Al invited. When the boat came alongside that scene where the devils and the coals are. 
That's the infernal set, put in Angelo again. He had been hanging around so as to miss nothing of the excitement. Big Al motioned the boy to silence. Whatever it is called, it is gruesome, and I was feeling nervous when, when something dark, about the size of a collie, moved out of the shadows, alongside the moving boat. The next second, a hand or a paw, something reached out in the dim light and grabbed at my hat. It was whisked off my head. The boat went on and entered another dark tunnel. I screamed. I don't blame you, young lady, Big Al said comfortingly. You stay right here and enjoy the band concert and rest. I'll go and get your hat. I won't be ten minutes. Thank you, sir. Big Al strolled off, and when he was thirty feet away, he stopped and beckoned to G.T. and Angelo. I know where Jack Dempsey is. Tell Oscar to meet me at the old mill. But there was no need to tell that animal man, for Angelo cited him listening to the earnest dialogue of Claude and Chubby. I know right now what they are telling Oscar, said G.T., grinning delightedly. He broke into a run and came up in time to hear Claude's excited, and then it groaned again. Oh, Oscar, don't waste your time listening to those little boys' bedtime stories. Come on, we know where Jack Dempsey is. How do you know? demanded Chubby Kramer. A young girl was just telling Big Al. He says to get ropes and nets, Oscar, and meet him in front of the old mill. He's waiting there now. Then to Chubby and Claude's insistent demands for information, G.T. told them the hysterical girl's story. Ten minutes later, the boys were with Big Al and Oscar, stopping the old mill boat at the infernal scene. All was quiet and gruesome, as usual. Oscar looked the scenery over and finally decided, That loose ape is hiding somewhere along that edge of scenery. What's this? Angela had stooped and picked a dark object from the sands. Big Al held it to the reddish light coming from one of the artificial fires. I'll bet that's what's left of the young lady's hat. Angelo edged reluctantly forward. He had no desire to stand shoulder to shoulder to one of the papier-mâché devil figures, but his curiosity conquered. Look, just what I thought all the time. This had an imitation cherry sewed to its side, and Jack Dempsey thought they were the real article, and he started to pluck them. No wonder she screamed, said G.T. The miracle is she didn't pass out completely. The men and boys scattered in a widening fan and began to comb every foot of the set. Empty old millboats bumped past, for the employees were obeying orders not to allow any passengers in them till the ape search was completed. Near the southern edge of the set, Oscar suddenly began to run. A figure leaped high. The animal man threw his rope and neatly lassoed the missing Jack Dempsey. The large ape chattered, but submitted to capture without a struggle. I'll bet he is glad to be back in captivity once more, began Angelo. At least he is sure of his three meals a day without having to forage for them. Oscar departed through an emergency exit, dragging his captive after him, and Big Al and the boys stopped the next old mill boat and piled in. That hunt is over. Now all I have to do is try and explain to the young lady that we found her hat. It must have caught on a bit of projecting tin, and the park will pay for it. I don't envy you your job, Al, G.T. grinned, but I'll wager that she has a different tale to take when she meets her friends. Suddenly Chubby exclaimed, Well, that hunt is over, but what I want to know is how Jack Dempsey learned to moan like a, like a... Here Angela began to giggle hysterically, and before the old mill boat had come to the exit platform, the moan mystery was out. I'll admit, G.T., that was one on us, but you and your bright little brother just wait. Claude and I will get even. 
Try and do it, mocked Angelo. He turned to his brother. T.T., will you ever forget the noises Chubby made when you moaned? He went off into another round of violent laughter. I'll, I'll never, if I live to be, to be a great-grandmother, put in Claude Hazard seriously. That set them off again. End of chapter 7 Recording by Maria Therese